Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This will be for Exodus chapter 11. Verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. Where he shall let you go, he shall utterly, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow or ask of his neighbor and every, every woman of her neighbor jewels or jewelry of silver and jewels of gold. The second difficulty about the supposed direction to Israel to borrow jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and so to spoil the Egyptians, rests upon a single or a simple misunderstanding of the text. Common sense even would indicate that under the circumstances in which the children of Israel at the last left the land, no Egyptian could have contemplated a temporary loan of jewels soon to be repaid. But in truth, the word rendered in our authorized version by borrowing does not mean a loan and is not used in that sense in a single passage in which it occurs throughout the Old Testament. It always and only means to ask or to request. This request or demand, as considering the justice of the case, we should call it, was readily granted by the Egyptians. The terror of Israel had fallen on them, and instead of leaving Egypt as fugitives, they marched out like a triumphant host, carrying with them the spoil of their divinely conquered enemies. A a Bible scholar commented on the translation of the Hebrew word sha'al as borrow. This is certainly not a very correct translation. The original word sha'al signifies simply to ask, request, demand, require, inquire, etc. But it does not signify to borrow in the proper sense of that word, though in a very few places of Scripture it is thus used. In this and the parallel uh, parallel place, the word signifies to ask or demand and not to borrow, which is a gross mistake. God commanded the Israelites to ask or demand a certain recompense for their past services, and he inclined the hearts of the Egyptians to, to give liberally, and this, far from a matter of oppression, wrong or even charity, was no more than a very partial recompense for the long and painful services which we may say 600,000 Israelites had rendered to Egypt during a considerable number of years. And there can be no doubt that while their heaviest oppression lasted, they were permitted to accumulate no kind of property as all their gains went to their oppressors. The Egyptians, who seemed to have been less hard-hearted than their pharaoh and more impressed with the powers of Moses, responded to this commandment, and the Israelites seemed to have taken great wealth with them. Probably some of these spoils were later used in the construction of the golden calf and in the building of the tabernacle. The wealth of the Egyptians also fulfilled the promise given to Abraham and the children of Israel would come out with, with great substance. Verse 3, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there, has, there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. 
And all these the servants of Pharaoh shall come down unto me, and bow themselves down unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh will not hearken unto you, therefore my, my wonders shall be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and they went out from Pharaoh, and he was in great anger. And Pharaoh hardened his heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. I just want to give a, an analysis here of uh, some some uh, symbolism of the Exodus that we have, uh, that the Exodus is similar to the plan of salvation. So I'll start with the Exodus. Uh, Israel in the promised land is the is the pre-mortality with Heavenly Father. Um, the dissension of, uh, that's mentioned in Exodus is the war in heaven. Joseph and Israel in, into Egypt is uh, being sent to earth to be proven. Pharaoh we knew not, who knew not Joseph, uh, Satan seeks our misery. Israel in bondage in Egypt is captive of the devil. Moses called to help deliver us. Christ is our redeemer. Israel is liberated through the death of the firstborn. Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the Father, liberates mankind through his atonement. Crossing of the Red Sea, uh, symbolic of baptism and other ordinances, burying the Pharaoh's forces under the water, being put, begin putting off the world, cloud and pillar of fire, guided by the Holy Ghost, manna from heaven, sustained by the word of God, Mount Sinai and the tabernacle, temple worship, covenants, ordinances, and law of Moses, covenants, ordinances, and higher law of Christ, 40 years of wilderness, trials and tests of life, Old generation dies off. Process continues of putting off the world and becoming a new creature in Christ. Joshua leads Israelites into Canaan. Jesus leads us home into the into paradise. And so here's some symbolism of the Passover. The Passover was symbolic of the atonement of Jesus Christ. The Passover, which the children of Israel were to remember always, marked the beginning of new life. The atonement, which we must always remember, gives us new spiritual life. The Lamb represented Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. The Lamb was male and without blemish, without imperfection, and symbolized Christ's perfection. The Lamb was killed. Its blood symbolized the blood of Jesus Christ. Egypt's false gods were judged and smitten, symbolizing Christ's atonement, overcoming evil. The killing of the firstborn in Egypt led to the release of the children of Israel. The death of Christ, the firstborn of God, frees us spiritually. The destroyer passed over the children of Israel. The atonement saves us from the power of Satan. The Passover began the Israelites' journey to the promised land. Christ begins us into the celestial kingdom, or brings us into the celestial kingdom. And then no bone of the lamb could be broken, just as Jesus would suffer no broken bones. So that's the end of uh, chapter 11, and we'll see you next time. Bye.